Forget about millennials, Gen Z is here, like it or not. Taylor Lorenz, staff writer at The Atlantic, is a millennial, and she is on a mission to explain Gen Z, the new generation that is taking the world by storm. I'm Ryan Morrissey, and this is the Digiday Podcast. On this week's episode, Taylor explains to me what the hell a Finsta is, the power of influence marketing, and much, much more. Hope you enjoy Taylor, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. Very excited to have you. It's a little bit different than our, we're usually just like deep into the business side with CEOs and stuff like this, talking about pivots and whatnot. But I wanted to have you on to talk about your very weird, interesting beat because it, it interests me quite a bit. How do you explain it? Well, I cover broadly internet culture. So I'm a staff writer covering internet culture. Um, but you know, internet culture can kind of take a lot of different forms, but my main beat is kind of like how users use social platforms, I guess. I, everything okay. I write about is from the user perspective. So that can be a 12 year old teenager or a, you know, massive influencer. Um, but I basically just write about like user behavior and emergent user behavior on the internet. Okay, so that can be everything, like how teens are, are using these platforms, but also um, the Instagram husband, yeah. <laughs> for instance. Can you explain what an Instagram husband is? Sure. So an Instagram husband was a term that was sort of popularized by a um, a YouTube video that went super viral back in 2015. And it's basically, well, it used to mean back then sort of like any man that was begrudgingly taking, you know, his wife or girlfriend's Instagram pictures. Um, so, you know, you always see the model on Instagram and it's supposed to be the man behind it. Now, um, Instagram husbands, as a lot of these women have become super successful influencers, um, you know, running multi-million dollar businesses have hired their husbands. So an Instagram husband um, means more of a empl employee. <laughs> I know. <laughs> An employee. <laughs> so whoever's the one doing the work of taking the photos, but now he's often paid. But. Okay. Um, so this is the rise of sort of influencers, micro-influencers, and maybe proto-influencers of people who just want that that perfect Instagram shot. Yeah. Um, and Instagram enables all of this. I, I was amazed. Um, we were talking about Los Angeles, but I, I was amazed. I was out in Los Angeles. How many places, hotels, restaurants, et cetera, have Instagram installations in them? Like they're made for Instagram. Yes. It's crazy how much Instagram has affected like architecture and our physical space. Um, there's a writer at the ringer, Alyssa Bereznek, um, who's a good friend of mine. Like, She's, she's amazing, but her beat overlaps a lot with mine, but she's written a lot of good stuff on sort of how Instagram is transforming physical spaces. And I, it, I'm always so shocked by it. Um, you know, people have a, a Instagram wall at parties now to take pictures in front of. And, um, you know, yeah, you, obviously the famous uh, Paul Smith wall in L.A. And yes, it's everywhere. Everyone wants a good b backdrop for their pics. So I'm moving <laughs> into the crotchety phase of my life. Um, explain why this is not all terrible. <laughs> Well, it's not terrible. I mean, it's it's just a way that users are expressing themselves. Um, I actually was That's thinking. That's not answering the question. I know. I, well, yeah. <laughs> it, I mean, it's not terrible because it's. I mean, it's giving these people a new way to monetize, which I think is really interesting. Um, you know, I just it's, mean like living life. Like li life seems to be lived more often now to sort of show show off like you know a life that you might not really lead and to um and i just wonder how i don't think we fully and that's what i really want to get into i don't think we've really fully um we don't know all the impacts these things are having on on all of us yeah i mean it is obviously like these big sort of like broadcast-based distribution systems have made it so 
people are very performative. I mean, the goal is to get as many followers as possible, kind of. And so people will do a lot of crazy stuff in pursuit of that, which I agree can be very negative. Um, I would say they're also really positive places for self-expression and for creativity. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I do think it, I do think that a lot of that stuff, yeah, maybe it is these lifestyle influencers seemingly being really cringy, taking a lot of these pictures, changing outfits 10 times in front of the same wall, but they are also building a new business model and, um, you know, connecting with and providing a service to, you know, sometimes millions of followers. So. Okay. So you don't focus on all of the absurdities of it. That's why I think your your work is good. I'm more optimistic about You're optimistic about all of it, about all of it where I... I tend to read these things and I'm like, oh my God, what is happening to us? So what is going on with the rise of influencers? Influencers have been um, you know, with us for a while. We used to call them celebrities, but now there's a different <laughs> category. Explain why these are not just regular celebrities. Yeah. Well, so there's, there's sort of this wall in between traditional celebrities and their audience. Um, so, you know, if you think of like Brad Pitt or Angelina Jolie or someone, you know, they're not accessible. You don't really know that much about their personal life. And in, in fact, they're very guarded. Um, influencers are people that connect with their fans on a much more personal level. Um, you know, you could argue Ariana Grande is like the perfect sort of influencer pop star where, uh, you know, yes, she's this, you know, Build, like multi-millionaire, you know, platinum recording artist, but she also um, engages so regularly with her fans. She follows all of you know the communities that that are fan accounts dedicated to her, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, she's an example of a traditional celebrity that walks that line. Um, but then there's also people that are just big on social media, or even not that big, but they're but they're basically monetizing their user base and um, and and sort of like have this very direct. Um, more peer-to-peer relationship with their fans. So I, I get it with Ariana Grande, though, is famous for something other than Instagram. Yeah. Well, right. It's the people that, that are famous almost for being famous. Yeah, well, they're famous for building an audience. And right. they're famous for um, usually building an audience or a business. And so, I mean, YouTubers, I mean, people used to call before the word influencer was sort of popularized um, over the past few years. I think there's a better understanding of what it means. But, you know, people, we've had YouTubers for a long time. We had Vine stars, um, people that were sort of more platform specific. I think now a lot of influencers, I mean, influencer culture is so tightly associated with Instagram, but a lot of influencers do bridge over a lot of platforms. So they're influencers because they're not just a YouTuber, but they're also big on Instagram. They're also big on TikTok or whatever other mm-hmm. app is coming out. Um, and I mean, So this is not a phase. This is a new form of media that is here to stay. Yeah, in your it's not a phase. It's been around for a long time. And I mean, I... I I helped start a sub brand at People Magazine in 2015 um, focused on influencers. At the time, they were still like, you know, people were like, oh, the word influencer, it's not going to be around. And like, it's mm-hmm. really only risen. I do think that, um, you know, there's going to be a correction in the market. So much of it's unregulated. It's a, it's kind of, it's, it's very early days, but no, I mean, people, people gaining audience on the internet has, has been around sort of since these social platforms started to emerge. And even previously, I mean, there were MySpace stars and like Tila Tequila emerged out of that. <laughs> like, you know, so people, anytime Things you didn't work out there. Yeah. But anytime you have one of these like big broadcast based social networks, you're going to have people gaming it to make money or find fame. Right. There, there seems to be some backlash against influencers, at least on the monetization side, yeah. but you're not seeing that on the user side. I mean, there's backlash. It's very, it's, it's very like, but, but less and less and less and less every year. Um, when I first started writing about this stuff, like, 
six, seven years ago, um, you know, people were really rude about it. Like YouTuber wasn't even considered a job. Like even if you, you know, you mm-hmm. people, I think now actually the, it not only has this sort of like career been validated, but it's aspirational for a lot of young people. So, I mean, I think that the backlash, especially as these people start to make more money or have more cultural impact, um, a lot of the backlash will fade. I mean, Mm -hmm. that's not to say that there isn't very valid criticism from some of these brands that have these influencer strategies that are just not paying off. Um, But I think, but I I do think that like this medium is, is very powerful. Mm -hmm. Did you see either of the fire festival documentaries? So did I. And I hated the Hulu one. I didn't hate it. I like the Netflix one better, but I will admit that I tuned in in order to have a little schadenfreude about the sort of influencer driven culture. And I think a lot of people did that. And, and and the 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 documentaries themselves um, certainly you know look to foment the the sort of ridiculous side of this world. Well, yeah, and I guess what bothered me so much about the Hulu documentary was it just it was so completely off. I mean, it missed so many things. But like the main thing was it was supposed to be this whole like indictment of social media and like how you know social media causes the, is this well, actual it was an indictment of millennials. Really. Yeah, it was like right exactly and like oh, you know, this is the real scam. No, like social media millennials, they've given rise to some of the most successful festivals of our time. Coachella is like an almost billion dollar business because of social media millennials. So, you know, ultimately Billy was a scammer and- um, Yeah, no, I, he was a flim flam man and he it didn't matter his age. That yeah. was the part that I was like, this is a story of a snake oil salesman and um, we've had snake oil salespeople um, persons uh, forever, <laughs> yeah. and we always will. It just so happens that you know he he happened to use the tools that were available to him. Yeah, and by the way, if that had gone out, you know, if he had actually delivered on that, like you would have seen that. I mean, I think that we saw the power of influencer marketing through that through that sort of fiasco because, like, the part of the reason it did become so big is because the influencer marketing was so successful. Yeah, I mean, they were selling a fake dream, um, and and that's bad, but. Um, but they do have the ability to generate a huge sort of amount of attention. Okay. Other than influencers, and maybe they're now becoming <laughs> influencers, the teens. I, I found some of your stuff around like how teens use these platforms really fascinating because I don't spend a lot of time with teens. <laughs> um, explain, first of all, how you came to like see this as a white space that wasn't really being covered as much as it should be. Yeah. Um, well, I guess I was trying to... Um, figure out what I want to write about more. Um, I used to work on the strategy side. So most of my career, I worked as like a social media editor, social media manager for brands. And um, one thing that I guess I, I was really interested in sort of like emergent user behavior. So creative ways that people use social platforms. Like when I was a social media manager for brands, like it's always you have to come up with a million ideas. So you're like, okay, what can we do to like get Miracle Whip, you know, trending on Twitter, like what stupid's done or whatever. And so I feel like teenagers are really good at sort of like warping these platforms in new and interesting ways. And so I felt like when I started writing about like internet culture and stuff, like I just started sort of like diving into that more and trying to understand like, why are they doing this weird thing? Or like, what's uh, yeah like what 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 are they up to or what why mm-hmm. does this resonate also I think a lot of times that stuff is covered in like a really rude way and so I wanted to like 
I guess understand. What do you mean a rude? Bit. Like condescending? Yeah, like condescending. Like, like get to be off honest, my lawn. Yes, the same way that influencer coverage <laughs> is. Kind of, Are you talking about me? No, my. I feel like most of my beat is like somebody that like like people something that people hate on, and I'm yeah. like, wait, no, maybe it's good. Yeah, um, see, that's why I think you're good at this because you're open minded about all this stuff. <laughs> yeah, well, I used to be really into Tumblr. Like Tumblr was my life um, after I graduated college, and so um, I had a couple of people you know, cover some stuff that I was working, you know, like, like doing on Tumblr. And I always felt it was unfair. And I hate when people come in and are like rude about stuff that you're doing or think it's stupid. No, it was kind of dumb stuff. But like, (laughs) (laughs) uh, so anyway, so I try to be fair. Okay. So explain to me exactly what's interesting right now about how teens are using these platforms. Because I think what's interesting is if you look crudely generationally, you've got like baby boomers who are like sharing fake news on Facebook. (laughs) Um, You have, you know, Gen X, which is usually forgotten, but but grew up analog, purely analog, um, and then, um, you know, got like the internet like in like early adulthood or, or college. And they're sort of one foot in each world. Then the millennials, which we've overcovered, right? That, yeah. have, that that had their aim addresses and what it was Neopets or something. Yeah. What did you guys have? Uh, <laughs> so, but then you've got this new the the Gen Z, Gen Alpha, whatever yeah. you want to talk about, that grew up purely like with all of these platforms and mobile. I mean, this is the this is the pure distillation of 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 what this society has become <laughs> so that's why i find it fascinating yeah. because they don't have they don't they have a completely different um relationship to that um so explain what's going on yeah um, are the kids all right yeah i have to admit too is like part of part of this beat too is like me as a millennial like starting to feel old like you know when you like yeah. like i don't know you start to be like wait well, i feel like i'm getting old like the millennials wait. are becoming like close to middle age so <laughs> it's time the older we millennials like, for sure. like, how do you deal with millennials in the workplace i'm like they're in their 30s like, <laughs> well, like my, a normal like, person <laughs> moment was like when this girl i used to babysit added me on linkedin and i was like what like you're a child ah i'm old well we just had a pitch meeting in here where one of the reporters who i will not name was pitching a story about brands that he was really into when he was like you know early in high school and he was talking about 2008 2009 so for <laughs> me that was <laughs> it was tough to relate yeah. to but go on so yes. explain how D- gen z is first broadly how are they using you know media differently yeah. than say your generation millennials well, generally they're like not sharing fake news. I mean, they're mostly, it's like but a lot of high schoolers. are they like sharing less? <laughs> um, like publicly? No, uh, publicly, probably, yeah. I mean, most of what I cover is Instagram. I actually haven't even written about Facebook in over a year because I just think it's kind of, uh, sometimes I write about Facebook groups maybe, but like that platform is actually, like the, the core of Facebook platform is pretty irrelevant for young people and it's also irrelevant like culturally a lot of ways for young, like youth culture. Explain that. That's um, interesting. Right? I mean, Facebook is just, not where teens hang out. I mean, sorry to Facebook. I know they're trying to build some meme feed, which is the most insane thing I've ever heard. What is that? They, oh my God, they just TechCrunch announced like last week that they're testing this thing to actually replace Facebook Watch um, for younger users. And it's called, I think it's called LOL. And it's supposed to be like a place to sit back and watch curated memes, which sounds like the lamest thing ever. And I mean, part of like what kids like about memes is like usually they're kind of edgy or like funny or like they're fresh Mm -hmm. and new. So the last thing you want is like Facebook curating like 
old memes from three months ago that are like brand safe in a feed. It's ridiculous. Okay, so Facebook is is pretty dead <laughs> yeah. to, to young people. But Instagram is everything. Instagram is everything. Yeah, I Explain mean, I that. can't express how intertwined, um, especially with young girls, like their lives are with Instagram. I mean, everybody has pretty much multiple accounts. Um, it's where they're... It, it's Explain their, that. Well, I mean, most people have like a main and then like at least some sort of secondary or tertiary account. What's the secondary account for? Well, it's to put like your like spam stuff, like, like you know, your main is like your public website, maybe like it's like your public profile. Highly but curated. Highly curated. It's like what you're going to like, it, it probably has your real name in it. Okay. Um, and, and like, you know, it's like what your parents will follow or like your, your teacher, you know, it's what like you, you let the adults or people that you don't really <laughs> care about follow. God. And then you always have like a secondary spammer Finsta account, which is just like where you put like your real I'm pictures. Sorry. This is like, this is like having an ad tech person on what is finsta wait brian what here is this? <laughs> i don't know <laughs> they have had this for a long time a finsta <laughs> is a um it's like a fake instagram but it's actually where you're your real self so it's like okay. you put like why would i know this oh my gosh well <laughs> i've written a few articles about it but i know but i know i, don't see. I know you're right I, you're right you're right not everybody knows this i know i actually talked to a parent of a 14 year old who is running a very successful meme presence and that's like a whole other world because a lot of kids so your finsta is like your um yeah where you put like your you know your your fun pictures with friends or like your less edited kind of version of yourself okay um and then a lot of kids um sometimes even if they don't have a finsta or a spam account they'll have like a meme account or some other kind of third type of account where they're it's it's even deeper in terms of self-expression so they're like posting about their life it's where they go to make friends um mm -hmm. it's where they go to like form friendships like I mean Instagram DM is like a huge way that a lot of kids group chat um, because it's kind of like hidden within the app yeah. and you can so but um, it sounds like they're, they're just like it, it's a more sophisticated and complicated way of using these tools that they've they've grown up with because yeah it was kind of like all or nothing right I mean like you're either like purely anonymous or you know everything was yes. under your name and Facebook forced everyone like under their own name to like exactly and that's exactly it so Instagram is like the perfect modern social network because it allows kids to express identity in a really fluid way Way, which is exactly what a teenager wants. Like what Facebook yeah. didn't get right is like, yeah, is this one profile? Also brands are treated differently. You, ca you can't start multiple things. Instagram, you can start endless accounts and perform different identities, express yourself in different ways and wipe it anytime you want and start over, change your username. Like, and all of that stuff is, is it, it's, it sort of like perfectly feeds into kind of like how kids want to connect and express themselves online. I'd like to take a quick break here. I'd like to invite you to come to a live recording of the Digiday podcast where I interview Melissa Bell, the publisher of Vox Media and also the co-founder of Vox.com. We have a lot to discuss considering the recent spate of bad news at news publishers like BuzzFeed, HuffPost, and Gannett. We are going to be hosting this live podcast event at Vox Media's headquarters in New York City on February 7th. Starting at 5.30, we will start the recording at 6.15 p.m. There are refreshments and mingling, so please do come for the podcast, but stay for the mingle. If you would like a complimentary ticket, we have a few available. You can email our producer, Aditi Sangal. Email Aditi at Aditi, A-D-I-T-I, at digiday.com. And she will get you all set up and answer any questions you may have. Hope to see you there. Now back to the episode. 
Explain the power of memes to this generation. <laughs> yeah, I mean, memes are just how you communicate. So it's just a communication format, I would say. Um, uh, I think, I mean, a lot of us older folk probably like uh, remember memes as like something that you'd laugh at. Um, but now it's just a way of um, it, talking about the world. So it's just a visual sort of communication mechanism. And it's ca- how you can express like, you know, that you're mad. I wrote about niche memes, which are little clip art diaries that kids post on yeah. Instagram. Explain those because that was an interesting piece. Yeah. Um, so niche memes are basically a way it's, it's honestly like 12 year olds and under some 13 year olds and 14 year olds but it's very young tween things and they sort of just go on and post everything about their life um, which is very normal uh, for a teen to do on Instagram they do that through a lot of different ways but um, niche means became really popular you'd post like here's what I got at the mall today and like little screenshots of everything you bought or like you know every like profiles of people in my fifth grade Spanish class and like post about everyone in your class or whatever Mm -hmm. it's just kind of like a public diary and it's a good way to connect with other kids because kids see like you know it's so highly specific that like if a niche meme resonates with you it's like oh my god this person is experiencing the same life as me even if they're in indiana Mm -hmm. and i'm in connecticut or whatever do you think broadly speaking that this generation will have a healthier relationship with these platforms than some of the older generations have? I, I again, am more optimistic. Um, I mean, I think it's hard and there's always pluses and minuses on stuff. Um, I I mean, in some ways, it's the internet is more toxic and, than ever and, and kids can be radicalized very easily, you know, on YouTube and Instagram, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that's really bad. Um, but they they are forging, you know, they're broadening their social networks to an extent that, you know, definitely us as millennials never had. Um, and so they're being exposed to more, you know, more new ideas, exposed to more people, which I think is a new good thing. New ideas. Right. Sometimes those new ideas are really <laughs> yeah, problematic. Like that the earth is not round. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, that's the downside. Yeah. I don't know if it's more of a problem or less of a problem, because I, I do wonder, particularly when it comes to the propaganda and fake news and stuff like this, about whether... Um, you know, growing up in 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 this kind of information overload sort of thing, I think like I really think that people who grew up at one foot analog and one foot digital like have really struggled with you know just yes. the overload. Um, I think millennials probably their brains are a little bit more suited to this. But as I said, this is a pure distillation. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, a lot of kids are highly skeptical and they'll debate stuff. And and these are teenagers, so they're you know they're not really like. you know when you're in high school like you try out a lot of different political beliefs like they're not necessarily like some 30 year old that's an issue voter but it's complicated because you 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 have to do this almost like publicly these days um you know, when I grew up, like people like, oh, they went through a goth phase. Yeah. Um, but that's that's what it, that's what's so great about Instagram is you can go through those phases really easily and ditch them just as easily. Like it's not like Facebook where you have this like reverse chronological feed where your record. pictures live forever. No, like if you're going through a goth phase, you probably start like little goth six 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 Instagram account and like post a bunch of dark stuff and like make a lot of goth friends there. And then when you're done with it, you wipe it and maybe okay. it's a meme account. <laughs> so explain why you focus on Instagram more than YouTube. Because my, my understanding was YouTube is actually more yeah. influential in the lives. I think of... it's I, I actually think it's equal. Okay. Um I I focus really heavily on YouTube. My current job it 
has more to do with the Atlantic readership, okay. um, <laughs> which is that yeah. uh, it's just it's it, I don't always get to do those same stories that I have always done. That said, okay, but explain the the weird, wild world of of YouTube yeah. and and the pluses and minuses yeah. of that world when particularly when it comes to a teen audience. You know, I, YouTube is like. It, it is also really important for for kids in the sense that they, that's where they go to consume most of their content, and they usually are consuming it from people. Um, although they'll go there to like search and learn about anything. It's sort of like their portal to the internet is often through YouTube. So like, whereas a millennial might like Google something, I a lot of kids that I've talked to like just rely on YouTube, um, and that's a problem because YouTube's algorithm is so flawed. Um, BuzzFeed just did an investigation this week where they kind of like followed it down, you know, the rabbit hole and you almost always end up with extremist content. Um, This is like the six degrees. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) If you click at least six times on on YouTube, you're going to end up like on like deep um, in like a Nazi site or something. (laughs) (laughs) But I mean, a lot of these YouTubers have a lot. You just have like a very powerful influence. Ultimately, they're they're influencers to these kids. uh, you know, they vlog PewDiePie, about... PewDiePie, he's attacked us. Few- it's a very interesting... I mean, I think that's the interesting thing that I find about YouTube is the intersection it has with some of the really pernicious forces in our society, just in, in my own... Like, yeah. you know, we wrote some... What I think is a fairly innocuous story about PewDiePie, and he and he he whipped up his army yeah. and and they you know our reporter had to like shut down his instagram oh, and have... go underground and stuff like this and <laughs> like you... yes. I, I know people are like oh it's just PewDiePie and i'm like no like i mean this he it's okay so i actually think okay it's so a mob two things like i i know the i know the pain PewDiePie did a video on me. I have been oh, in God. PewDiePie's. I know you got to shut down. I just had to walk I, away. I I, luckily, I was on vacation it's, when it happened, so I was yeah. like, "This is great." But I think that's actually. I mean, I think that's less PewDiePie and more Stan culture, which is the problem. Like, explain Stan culture. So Stan, a Stan is like a super fan. It's like somebody that's sort of like ride or die for this one person. Could be PewDiePie. Could be you know whoever Jake Paul, um, and they are like. Nothing you can do, like will will sully their you know idol in your in in their eyes. So they'll and they're also they'll, they have endless time. So they will try to hack <laughs> you and change your profile picture to support their idol or whatever. Um, and I think what I think because these sort of like influencers connect so deeply with their audience, they have Scary. right, but they have a more powerful audience than you know some of the more traditional celebrities. Like you're not gonna like go hack printers to print out like support Brad Pitt or whatever, right? Like, but yeah. if you're like a Jake Pauler or like a Logang or I don't know, you know, like you're gonna basically like harass people to support, um, you know, this usually flawed. Um, influencer or whatever so yeah i mean i think that pewdiepie pewdiepie has just a bigger audience than anyone on youtube so his his fans are like even more crazy i mean they're just more of them um but but i i know that okay so it's a scale game yeah it's not like it's not like pewdiepie's fans are crazy it's just like he's so many that there's a lot of crazies in there yeah um okay so uh uh final thing is new platforms um you do some stuff on TikTok. TikTok is the one everyone wants to talk about yeah. now. Um, I- explain TikTok for those who are not fully immersed in it and and why you think it's important or if you think it's yeah, important. Yeah, sure. TikTok is 
Oh God, I, I kind of botched this yesterday, so I'm going to try and get it right this time. But it's it's sort of like a short form video app, which is kind of a meaningless description. Every everything is a short form video app now, but it's sort of a place where you can go to put videos to music, and it has a really robust suite of editing tools. So it lets you make like yeah, you could record a short video on Snapchat or Instagram with with similar like kind of clip to a song, but on TikTok you can make like crazy things happen. Um, so videos on TikTok are like sometimes like very just like visually kind of like you're on drugs like they look nuts Mm -hmm. um it's also kind of a place to be weird i think because of a lot of the like editing tools a lot of the videos are weird and then a lot of people a lot of like vine culture has kind of found a home on tiktok so like just absurdist comedy very like gen z humor to be honest um a lot of the user base skews young it used Mm -hmm. to be musically till it sort of rebranded and relaunched does Um, it disappear no, it lives on your disappear. profile. Yeah. So I'm just wondering where it fits into the, like a, the suite of Gen Z expression <laughs> tools. It's like a it's like a souped up like version. I, I, it's much closer to Instagram than anything else um, because it's video mm-hmm. based and like similar like Instagram comedians are all on TikTok and stuff. Okay, so it's more. Is it competitive to Snapchat? No, Snapchat's like messaging. TikTok's not really about that. It's more like you are performing for an audience on TikTok. Um, So it's a public platform and like challenge culture is huge on TikTok. So it's very participatory. Like if you see a TikTok meme, like you do your own version of it. Okay. Um, Which is a very Vine-like kind of thing. So we haven't discussed Snapchat. Yeah. Is that like indicative? I saw they like her like $5 a share. I actually, I was thinking the last article, well, I wrote, I wrote a bunch of articles. I haven't written about them in also almost a year, mostly because like, it's just, uh, Evan shouldn't be CEO. He's still CEO. All right, but the teens like, don't know about the stock price, I assume. Yeah, but they do know about cultural relevance. And I think that Snapchat, yeah, everyone still uses Snapchat for sure for talking. But is it going to scale? Is it going to grow? No. Um, are they going to ever attract a lot of older users? No. Um, but when you talk with with teens, yeah. um, what do they say generally about where Snapchat fits into? You have a, Most people I talk to have a Snapchat. Um, but it's not... It's, nearly as important as Instagram. It's not, okay, Instagram is where their identity lives online. Snapchat is like where they go to like shit talk with their friends or like send random pictures or like post some funny stuff. But it's not like core to your social network. Like mm-hmm. you could like lose your Snapchat. It's fine. Like streaks used to be a thing big thing um yeah and like less and less so now i think and that's streaks are streaks are basically like when you send consecutive messages to yeah. each other um back and forth you get like a little fire icon and it's a streak and um pe- you know people used to go to like extreme lengths to keep them i feel like that kind of is over and i don't know i don't hear about streaks anymore from kids um yeah i just think i i mean i do think i do think actually so much of the corporate turmoil has affected the product to an extent that it's going to seem stale to users and it already seems stale to users yeah young people have it now are they going to need it in five years i don't know okay what's a platform that's that's taking off with teens that we'll um, be talking discord about? is really big um discord is is a chat app basically it's from gaming um twitch also um right. but so a lot of like i mean a lot of like Every like meme page has a Discord pretty much. It's just another place where people go for communities and chatting and um it's it's all private communities. So unlike some of these other platforms like Twitter, Facebook, you know, like all these big open platforms, mm-hmm. Discord is closed. So you're invited to a Discord and everyone has roles. Um and or not everyone, but you can be assigned roles. Um so, you know, there's like moderators, it's almost like a little mini Reddit. Um, but it's but people chat and um 
yeah, it's just very skews extremely young, probably because a lot of the pages that they're pushing kids to like a lot of the the ways that people are pushed into discords are like maybe it's a discord for their favorite YouTuber, their favorite gamer, their favorite meme page like has a discord. So they'll join that. Um, Okay, so they're like niche discussion groups. Yeah, sort of. Yeah. 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 It's a it's a it's a it's a it's a it's like a slack, actually. It's, It's almost like exactly like a slack. But you have like multiple of them. Okay. How about any others? Um, I don't know. People always ask me this, like, oh, what's the new Instagram? I mean, I don't really write about anything till it has a certain amount of scale because right. I write about stuff from the user. I mean, there's a lot of like weird, cool things that I see, like startups, but I don't know if they're going to resonate. So, so final thing is, how do you find these teens? Um, you just like go around the internet and like and talk with the teens. The internet is so full of teens. It's like ninety yeah. percent of the internet is teens. I actually right, but you're like an older. You're not I older, know, but no, I mean like I compared to like, teens, hey, you are. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, for sure. I. It's funny because like I will always set out to write. Dude, about, are they like get away? No, they're talk. usually like help me get famous. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Can you get me verified? Um, <laughs> No, I mean, most of, I think it's, well, one thing I think that's extremely helpful is I'm a woman and most of the people that I talk to are young teen girls. Yeah. So, um, like, like I, I'm more like a older like person that they rely on. Like they ask me a lot of, like, this is not a job for a middle-aged man. I'll just, no, I mean, you would be kind of creepy, but (laughs) a lot of the kids actually, there's another reporter who wanted to talk to one of my sources and I was like, yeah. And I was like, just heads up. If you try to DM her, she's going to screenshot it and post you on her like creep feed. So like, (laughs) let me put you in touch. But, but it's so many times I just, I don't ever, ever, ever in any of my stories set to write about teens. Like it's always like some weird emergent behavior and 90% of the time that's well, that's where it emerges, right? Yeah. Usually. But sometimes I wrote about how Twitter is the number one platform for nudists and the entire nudism okay. community on Twitter. Like, there's a lot of, like, things that I write about that's not, but it's mostly teens, 90%. It's because you message at some new meme account and they're like, yeah, I'm 12. <laughs> um, but we do, I mean, it's, if you're under 13, then, like, I need to talk to your parents first. Got it. Um, but kids also lie all the time. I got a call from a mom of this kid that told me he was 17 and I was thinking, he sounds so young. And the mom called and she was like, so he's 14. And I was like, oh, you're going to have to get people to sign things. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Okay. Taylor, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. And thank you all for listening. Our producer is Aditi Sangal. If you have feedback, write to me at bmorrissey at Digiday or tweet at me. I'm at bmorrissey. Thank you to Alexandra Stamp, who tweeted out after attending our live podcast event at Condé Nast International's offices in London the other week. She said, so insightful and interesting. Thank you at W Blau, that's Wolfgang Blau, and Digiday and Condé Nast for hosting. The live podcast recording was very thought-provoking and definitely makes me think about fashion, sustainability, and the role placed on publications like Vogue completely differently. Thanks for coming, Alexandra. Please take a moment and leave us a rating or a review on iTunes or wherever you are listening to this podcast. This helps our podcast be discovered. And thank you again for listening. We'll be back next week with a new episode.